You are listening to the Startup Mindsets Podcast, a podcast dedicated to uncovering how mindsets are built from fascinating startup entrepreneurs, innovation leaders, and investors. This podcast will give you a blueprint to thrive in an innovation-driven and globally connected world. I'm your host, Dan Gonzalez, joined by Earl Valencia. Join us to learn about amazing people and their journeys to discover their own startup mindsets, and in the process, hopefully also discover yours. Here we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Startup Mindsets. This is your host, Dan. Today, we are joined by Ishan Gupta. Um, uh, Ishan, say hello. Hi. How are you? Yeah. Well, I guess before Ishan uh, kind of introduces himself, we'll give a bit of a background uh, for the audience here. So Ishan and I were classmates uh, at Stanford Business School. Wow, I guess Ishan, 13 years ago, right? Yes. Right. Yeah. So we met met each other. Uh, we're we're very good friends, uh, and yeah, I mean, he's one of the guys that really impressed me. Even we're like uh, young, right, in the twenties. Um, actually, when he went to Stanford, what thing, one thing he gave me is a book that he wrote with uh, the back cover had the president of India in it, and I was like, wow, this guy is like what twenty three, twenty four at the time. Uh, and uh, and then he's like, yeah, I'm a published author in India. I was like, that's great. Right? So uh, obviously after that, he went to many different uh, adventures and his heart really is in edutech and education. So, um, you know, very keen to call, I guess, Ishan, one of my best friends from Stanford and glad for him to be here in the show. So Ishan, I guess people really want to know like what you're doing now and, you know, what have you been up to and just introduce yourself. Sure. Uh, thank you all, uh, Dan. Uh, oh, that's, that's a very warm introduction. I mean, if I go back 13 years when I met you, I'm like, he's like, he's a real like scientist working for defense. <laughs> he holds two citizenships and has to do critical calls as to like, like where does his loyalty lie? And like, it was just fascinating uh, to hear stories from all. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I, I have been always inspired. You know, you went back to Philippines, you kind of shook the whole ecosystem, you know, did so much and then you came back to the valley. So I'm very inspirational uh, for all the stuff that you have done. Uh, I'm glad you're doing this. Uh, I think startup mindset is an important thing. I'm glad both you and Dan are doing this. Uh, happy to be part of this. My quick background, I became an entrepreneur by chance when I was 21. Uh, I was basically a sophomore student in engineering college in India. And realized that you know my my fellow students could use some more engineering education and just like you know additional knowledge that could be helpful for them in their careers. And with that, I started my first company uh, as a sophomore student in engineering. From there came Stanford. Amazing two years. Met you. Met so many amazing classmates. Uh, you said my heart was in tech, and tech wasn't a word then, so it was in education. And I came back uh, to India. I went back to India and I started a company called as Educart, which went up becoming one of India's uh, most prominent education marketplaces. I was glad to have you as one of our investors as well in that journey. You know, uh, post that, I worked with Paytm, which is a large fintech uh, platform in India. And I came back to education with Udacity. In 2017, I became India Udacity's managing director for India build the India business, done that for two and a half years. And then last year, uh, I basically took a global role at Udacity, 
I'm now the uh, senior director for student operations. My responsibility is to uh, manage the student's journey once a student becomes an active uh, student with us. Uh, so right from delivering our mentor services, our review services, uh, our support, our engagement services. So all of that kind of falls under my purview uh, at Udacity, serving our students globally. In the times of COVID, I feel like online education is even more important. It can give people an opportunity to both upskill themselves and just be ready for the next uh, wave of digital disruption that is about to come. So that's my short background. Happy to talk more. Yeah, that's really incredible. I also read on your LinkedIn that uh, you were part of Facebook's first uh, team in India or first uh, yeah. one of their employees in India. What was that? Is that how it was? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, this is, this is 2007. Maybe? No, no. So I'll, I'll tell you this 2007. I'm walking down University Avenue, uh-huh. uh, Palo Alto, and I see this little board that says Facebook. And I'm like, oh, that company is, this is like, you know, yeah. it's just early days. I'm like, that's awesome. You know, for someone coming from India, you always think of things like, you know, Google and Facebook and other names, but they're just names on a screen, right? And then you suddenly <laughs> land in Bay Area and you land in Palo Alto and this suddenly becomes like, like real, right? So for me, seeing the Facebook office on University Avenue in 2007 is one of those things. You know, I really wanted to be part of it. Uh, you know, I was fortunate to actually get a role as, as a growth manager for Facebook for India in 2009, just when I graduated. In fact, I remember Earl and I were on a Thanksgiving trip together to Peru when that offer came yeah, in. Yeah, I remember uh, that. And, uh, you know, I, I joined that. It was amazing. It was a short journey. I actually went back to India as a first hire. Uh, had an amazing time with Facebook. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it was still very small. It had less than 4 million users in India at that time. So, a short journey, but, but a very, very uh, interesting journey for me and Facebook. At so, that so, time. Yeah, right. So, I guess Facebook was... Um... I guess they were like they're one of the most successful companies, but when it was 2007, they're they're still in the growth stages, and I guess don't have the amount of users or where they were. I guess so there they were thousand people in the company. A thousand people, literally somewhere around thousand employee like range, and wow. uh, uh, they were uh, yeah, they were just four million users in India at that right. point. Uh, yeah, it was interesting for me to do that role, you know. But honestly, you know. Just to be very candid, when I look back today, right, I mean, I mean, Facebook deserved a lot more experience to come in and lead that in India. I mean, I look back, you know, I had a short stint. And then when Facebook actually formally set up an office in India, another Stanford Business School alums, alum, she took over as a managing director for India and built it up with, with a stronger startup mindset, if I can say that, in India. And I think I was just, I was early and I did my role there. Uh, but I think a mindset is important, right? For doing anything. Yeah. And you need to be at the right place at the right time, but you also need to have the right mindset to execute it. So I think I was at the right place at the right time, but I just did not have enough experience to to take Facebook uh, where it needed to go at that time. But it so, was a very learning state well, for me. So maybe Ishan, kind of, as you mentioned, mindset, right? Like, I mean, if you had to go through your journey as an entrepreneur, the sophomore yeah. year, you're building up a bunch of businesses, selling a business, joining a large startup, joining a early stage uh, kind of company, now becoming a kind of one of the large companies. Like, what is your, if you had to quantify, like, you know, the mindset that you're going through at these times that really propelled you to success, like, what are these startup mindsets that you would, at least reflected on like these are the things that kind of 
made me different compared to let's say other people yeah no that's a great question and you know i've spent a lot of time reflecting on this over the years and and frankly i think this has evolved right as a 22 year old yeah, entrepreneur yeah. versus a 26 year old entrepreneur versus versus today at 36 year old professional i think that has evolved but i think the themes are similar i think the first and foremost is just you can be a startup founder you can be a corporate professional you just got to build the strongest team around you right and for that you have to be a strong leader you have to be a leader of your team and you have to be able to trust your team build a strong team i've always you know i learned this at at the business school a hires a b hires c right i've always been a believer in just hiring the best suited person for a role and then and then learn from that person and i think that mindset has always been there for me just building really really strong teams uh what has added to that mindset over the last few years is not just build a strong team but build a strong team that keeps you honest right so you want people who can who can hold you accountable for what you stand for and what you should stand for push back at the right times you know and help you keep on growing i am at udacity over the last 3 years i'm very privileged to have such a team that really really keeps me honest and keeps on pushing me to be better uh the second sort of mindset element for me is showing up and being resilient right there gonna be tough days right but the but but as a startup founder you got to show up you got to show up every day uh and be there and then be resilient to to take on whatever is coming be thoughtful about it but be resilient i think a lot of people just stop showing up or they'll disappear for some time and the times are tough right this does not work you got to be there every day working in the trenches showing up and being resilient so i think those are the two elements that i think have been a consistent theme for me over the last uh, a decade or so of being an entrepreneur or even a, a corporate professional great yeah i think you know you've you've been you i like how you mentioned different age ages uh, you know within um startups and i guess what i want to ask you was what what experience perhaps do you remember that uh you you really look back on and say that was like a moment that we worked really hard and we we got what we want and the startup that you may have founded or been a part of was extremely validated in that sense and things were able to go go much smoother after that is that like after somebody raises money or is that like after you make certain sales or um what would you say no you're right so i mean i, I mean first of all i think one learns both from validation but also from failures right so i feel like if i really think of moments i feel like the points where i did not achieve what i wanted to i probably learned a lot more than the points where i thought i achieved something right but but to your question i mean at educart when we were building an education marketplace the business model was basically tying up with the leading institutions who were providing various kind of online programs and bringing them on the same platform giving people an ability to to compare and contrast programs and then enroll for the right program through us uh i think it was ahead of its time but for me the big win was initially when we got more than 100 different online education players in india to be onboarded as course providers on our platform right that to me was the first sort of validation that hey, listen that these people feel the need to be on a platform where the programs can be duly compared and they can get more business uh, students for themselves right so that was uh first validation i thought was, yeah that was good because we got the supply side in place right at building a marketplace uh and then as students started coming and comparing programs and actually trying to find the right program for themselves 
uh, that was the second validation that yeah there are people who can use this uh, platform to get to the right decision for themselves right education is very interesting you unlike e-commerce you're not going to enroll for three different online mba programs in your life you're going to do one program you need to get it right the first time the one the program you want right you don't have the opportunity to say hey i started this program going to shut it down and do another one it's easier when you're buying a shirt for yourself and say hey i didn't like this shirt i'm going to buy another shirt right so for me as a considered purchase it was important that students got the right information so i think for me the high point in my journey as an entrepreneur at educart the marketplace was both when we got our supply validated as well as when students started finding value in it yeah so maybe maybe ishan um you know talk about education um maybe bring back at a time you know when you're young or formative years of you know how does this mindset kind of go you know you know how did that get honed into you right just because one thing we've realized by talking to a number of you know founders or corporate executives is that there's this kind of weird moment in their life most of the time it could be like college or before college young younger years that really validated this um, you know really shaped them anything that comes to mind that really you know made you uh, you know who you are right now and really honed that mindset no absolutely and i you know i very happy to share this candidly right my first startup started with a couple of close friends uh, education company training training basically we were delivering trainings in technologies at that point like dot net and and ethical hacking uh and while doing the comp- while running the company as students i was i was in my sophomore year the f- philosophically my co-founders and i parted uh we started thinking differently about the company right and and for me there was a certain way i wanted to go and i realized that that this wasn't possible anymore and i had to actually take a hard call of leaving the company right now imagine i was just like 22 23 at that time and deciding to leave something that you just started and you put a lot of you know hard work in is not easy at that time right but i for me it was an important mindset to listen what i want to do will it make me happy will it be something that will make me come every day and do my best right if the answer is no then i shouldn't be there at that point and i took a very hard call in exiting and i always joke that business school teaches you how to build companies business school doesn't teach you how to exit <laughs> that's true that's true all, man. right that's totally totally and for me i came into business school with that experience of how to leave a company a company that you build you know with this dreamy eyes and a vision that you want to change the world and then you realize that things haven't gone the way you wanted them to go and then you kind of step back right so to me that was very important uh thing to learn as an entrepreneur that you want to build it but you also need to have the ability to move out if you have to at some point because either you are in it fully or you are not there you can't be half heartedly into uh something i wonder if that answers your question though Yeah yeah i mean i think that's uh, that's definitely a, a lesson right and i really like that that point of like yeah i mean it's you know it's easy to figure out how to build but it's actually uh you know when is the time that it's it's not your time right uh, at least for that um uh, and yeah, i'll ask another question before i turn over to dan is you know it, it seems that you're consistent and admired about you shine is that you're towards 
kind of enabling people through education, mm. which is quite interesting. Because some people, like I see, let's say they build companies and, you know, today is social media, tomorrow is like blockchain, next time is artificial intelligence. Like they literally change every three to four years, depending on the flavor of the month. But uh, I've seen you for, you know, more than a decade already. And it seems that your heart is, you know, basically enabling people, right? Um, what what happened there? Why why this compared to others? Um, you know, why is this important to you? And versus you, let's say, doing something totally unrelated to to this space. I mean, actually, you know, it's it's uh, it's not entirely correct. So I get motivated by giving people access. Now that access could be of different things, right? And I've mm-hmm. kind of stepped back and thought about that in my life a little bit, right? From for me, my my two education startups, or Udacity, has been about giving people access to quality education, right? And yeah. just ability for them to leverage it and move ahead in their careers, right? That has really motivated me. But at the same time, my work at Facebook or my work at Paytm was also about giving access. Facebook at that time was about giving access to information, right? And like helping people in India get on a platform that would give them access to the rest of the world in many ways, right? I mean, connecting with friends and peers around the world. For me, working at Paytm was about giving people access to financial services, right? So I, which could help them to improve their lives, right? So for me, that's a consistent theme. It has just so happened that out of my 15 years of work, almost 10 years have been spent in education. Uh, And, you know, uh, I've really enjoyed that. Uh, So yeah, I, you know, Maybe I'll continue there long term. Maybe I'll do something else. But I think it has to be around people yeah. getting some sort of an access to something which is meaningful and valuable for them. I mean, that is what really, really drives me uh, there. So I've been probably consistent in that uh, more than just being consistent about education sector as as my choice of sector. But yeah, I love I love being in ed tech. Uh, it's a lot of fun, and I think just you know. Uh, education hasn't been disrupted in, 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 in such a long time. So all of this effort that is happening right now around the world is very inspiring in the tech world. Great. Uh, you know, response Isham. something that I was wondering was, you know, you mentioned how you're from India. I was just wondering, did you have the same approach to building a company before you came to Stanford at the GSB? Just because, you know, being Silicon Valley and meeting a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of them flock here to raise money or you know have their hq here but would you say that there are obstacles in other countries that prevent people from building a startup versus starting one here or was your mindset different when you were building your first company over there versus after stanford yeah absolutely i think uh, i think the valley is very strong in in doing a very product-led approach and that sets up the product-led approach sets up companies for scale quicker in some ways. Um, I think in a lot of emerging world, and I think all can validate this. A lot of it is about throwing warm bodies at problems and solving yeah. for them, uh, because this, this a lot more people are available, right? And what that does it sometimes it uh, it reduces the focus on building a high-quality product now. But what it also does sometimes, it, it really builds up businesses uh, uh, in a very in a very human-driven manner. And there are pros and cons, depending on what industry you, sure. are, you are in, right? So I think I got that glimpse when I came to Stanford 
uh, yes, the first company I built was very, very ops driven. After Stanford, when I built Educart, it had more product element in it. But but to be candid, I think my work at Udacity has shown me much more of that, right? Being in a company, a Silicon Valley company, running the India office and then coming to US, right? I could appreciate in the last three, four years, the Silicon Valley approach even a lot more that then I could get to appreciate it as a student at Stanford. And, and right? what is like the Silicon college. Valley approach? Is that like sort of, let's just make as much revenue and get as much market share or versus, I guess maybe I wouldn't want, want to call it an Asian or Eastern approach, but is, that, is there like a different um, way that, I guess, a startup operating in Asia, you know, approaches, I guess, be, being successful and looks at being successful versus one that's in California? Yeah, so I, I mean, different metrics I think, that people I, look no, at. No, absolutely. It's a great question. I think everybody, I think a lot of people have very, very different answers to that question. Sure. It's, it's really driven by one's own personal experience, right? For me, the way I define Silicon Valley approach is, is a very, very product-led approach. Uh, you know, you kind of build the product and you build the best product, and you keep on building that. You know, either testing it on a smaller audience or large audience, but you keep on building the right product, right? Uh, to me, the approach that I sort of saw in India was more about like you build a product, it may not be the best product, but you put a layer of people around it to execute it, you know, build strong operational teams who can then carry their product ahead, right? And make up for the deficiency in product by just the number of people uh, that are available uh, to execute. So I think, I think that to me is sort of the difference in the two approaches. And both again, as I said, have their pros and cons there. I think I, finally, it's, it's finally if you think of it, you step back and you're building a company that is global, right? It, it, it's not one versus the other. It will be a combination, right? Mm -hmm. A strong. If you step back and see what is a strong company, strong company is the one that has a strong product, uh, and then strong operations that are taking the product ahead, right? It's finally a combination of both. But yeah, I think that I think the starting points are different on two sides of the world. When you start building a sure. company. Oh, I like that. Right. I like that, Ishan. Yeah. So go, go ahead, go ahead, Dan. Yeah, because I really like this contrast. That's I really enjoy that. So yeah, for sure, Ishan. Uh, I guess for for Educart, did you ever have to raise capital at, at some point? I'm not too. Yeah, absolutely. Too, no, 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 absolutely. Educated so on <laughs> No, no, no. So started Educart in 2012. Uh, raised a seed round, which was uh, mostly through the network. Uh, Stanford buddies, classmates came into support. Some of my uh, friends in India came into support. And from there, we raised subsequent rounds. We raised angel round, pre-series A, series A. And most of that was, again, you know, some of the follow-ons. We also had 500 startups, uh -huh. my ventures, uh, join in there. Uh, again, I had continued support of some of my Stanford classmates. Uh, and again, some of uh, entrepreneurs in India who joined into the rounds. Uh, one of my mentors who runs Paytm, Vijay Shekhar Sharma, uh, the founder of Paytm. He uh, he was a continuous supporter there as well. So yeah, it was a mix of angel investors and and, uh, and uh, early stage investors who had supported Educart in its journey. Right. It's a question that was was wondering was, um, how did you get early employees or those investors per se, since they are somewhat, well, they, they do end up, owning a portion of the company, um, how do you get them to believe in what you're building? Well, I mean, that, that's a very, you know, you can take that anywhere, but I guess just in terms of like, I wouldn't say storytelling, but in terms of uh, communicating your vision to them, 
Mm-hmm. Does that come naturally to you, or? Yeah, that that came naturally to me. But I also think that raising rounds. I mean, at different stages of raising rounds for a company of different challenges. I think the the very uh, the earliest of the rounds, the seed round, is is mostly about you as a person, and what people can believe you can do. Uh, and then the moment you go to just the next round, an angel round, it's about early traction and what is the early team you have built. And then when you go towards the series, it's about more traction, more team. You know how have you evolved as a founder, as a CEO? You know what have you learned? Uh, since the beginning till now, I think so. I think those things keep on evolving, but but overall, you know, that came pretty naturally uh, to me. I never felt like you know it was challenging to raise rounds. Always, uh, it's uh-huh. also tiring to raise rounds because raising a round for any founder or a CEO is 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 an additional job than running a, other than running a company. So it's always exhausting, uh, but it also you know it was always it was fun, and for me it was it came naturally. Right, and then next question I had would be have have is uh, do you get a board of, board member right? What what advice do you have for for like a founder that's or CEO um, that's looking to to appoint a board or like have have somebody to go to for advice? Do you say do I you think, think that yeah? Do you think that it's just find somebody who's been there before? Or do you think that there's more than than that? Yeah, there's more than that. I think I think you have to be very honest to say what is your weakness, uh-huh. and what do you need in the board to keep a check on you. For right, like so. For me, the board members were about like I wanted somebody who had seen a lot of scale. I wanted somebody who had, who had, uh, you know, been an investor before. So I think for, for to you know to see how does the company become the right kind of company, an investable, investor-friendly company. You know, so again, wherever I thought that you know, people could bring in complementary skill set, that's what I wanted in the board. And that's the same for building a team as well, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's a board or a team, leadership team is the same thing. You want to have the right people who build the skills where you definitely be can. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you have any, like, I know you work for Mark Zuckerberg. Do you have any CEOs that you think people should uh, try to emulate or look up to or people even in your life that you've drawn inspiration from? And- yeah, as I mentioned, one name, right? Uh, early on, uh, the founder at Paytm in India, Vijay Shekhar Sharma, he has always been a mentor to me. Uh, he built a strong, very strong company, the largest fintech platforms in India. Uh, I've learned a lot from him by working closely with him. Uh, he was on my board for Educart for more than five years, a very uh-huh. trusted advisor. So he's one of my mentors. I have had mentors. I've, I continue to have mentors from Stanford. You know, mm-hmm. both uh, you know people who are five to ten years ahead of me, they have been amazing mentors to me. And then, you know, frankly, classmates have tapped into them, you know, as, mm-hmm. as friends, as buddies. But I mean, you know, it's, just, it's a smart set of people, right? Like, I'll go to Earl, uh, he'll give me some advice, right? I mean, we may have a friend relationship, but in that advice moment, it may still be like a mentoring advice, right? So I think you can, I mean, lean in wherever you get that advice from and where uh-huh. you can trust people, right? Uh, that's how I have approached this. Right. I think one more last question here is, uh, is Udacity more of a beaded see at, at the end of the day in, in terms of in India or the previous ed tech companies were they all direct to consumer like my primarily? the company that I built primarily were direct to consumer Udacity has both a consumer and an enterprise business and a government business actually all three businesses today uh, right um, I guess in terms of uh, running a company in in, in, the, in India versus the US part of our mindsets is we're trying to advocate for people in different geographies to 
help them with with uh, their challenges and their in their market. Is there a big difference in the consumer landscape for India versus when you did Udacity in the U.S.? Would you say yeah. that there's a difference in terms of the users or approach to getting users and things like that? Uh, are you asking for a difference in approach to getting users or the users themselves? Sorry, I, I didn't get the yeah, question. Yes, sure. um, I guess both. Maybe the first one would be like the users themselves. Oh, I mean, I guess the paying capacities are different and that matters, right, uh, in the users. But I think from, from Udacity's perspective, I've always believed that we are serving people who want to learn technologies, right? And that okay. mindset is pretty similar right. uh, for someone who wants to learn technology. So I don't see much difference other mm -hmm. than the paying capacity difference in different parts of the world. Um, in terms of like need or in terms of... Uh, yeah, so I mean, I think the I think the users have similar needs around the world, just that their ability to pay might be different. Oh, okay. Different parts of the world. Uh, that therefore, how do you get users? You just have to. I mean, there are certain things which are globally relevant, uh, but then there might be certain localization required in different parts of the world. Uh, you know, so let's take India for example as a country, right? It has a strong local competition, so you probably want to localize the messaging a little bit there. Uh, which may not be required for some of the other parts of, uh, let's say, Asia, where there may not be a lot of local competition. Uh, you know, uh, so yeah, I think generally I believe like messaging and the needs are pretty consistent, but depending on what your key markets are, you may want to localize a little bit in some parts of the world. Yeah, I think that's you know really good advice. Do you have uh, another question here, Earl? Yeah, I guess, you know, we only have kind of five minutes here on our, on our uh, podcast. I guess we always end this with two two questions, right? Like one is, if you had to recommend one or two other books or resources uh, that someone struggling to find their startup mindset, um, what would those books or resources be? And then second, obviously, you know, would love to just ask you, you know, um, what is your advice to someone, um, you know, personally that uh, you know that is either trying to start something, build something, and kind of follow their passion, right? So maybe those are two interrelated questions that we typically end this podcast. Uh, as far as the, the book is concerned, I think, I think especially at Udacity, I've really believed in OKRs. I think that really helps. Mm -hmm. And the earlier you can jump into OKRs, I think the better it is. So, so John Doerr had written this book, uh, 2017. Measure what matters. matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. So I would recommend that. I think that's a great book. And I think, I think companies never, I think companies never too small to have OKRs, right? It just brings in the discipline, uh, in building a company. And I wish I could go back and use that 10 years back or seven years back when I started my companies, right? I didn't have that tool with me and I wish I had that tool. So I would, that is a book I would recommend. Uh, advice. I think first of all, have just a very honest conversation with oneself. Are you ready to do it? You may never be ready, but like, are you just, do you feel some level of readiness to be an entrepreneur? It's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. And then second, what's your weaknesses? Find a co-founder fast uh, to pluck some of those weaknesses because it's a, it's a, it's a long, tough journey as an entrepreneur. Uh, also find your mentors. Like I've really, really come to believe in the power of mentorship, right? 
uh, one of my mentors jokes with me and says there are two kinds of mentees one that will always listen to you and one that will never listen to you <laughs> and and that's both fine he, he says after that is both fine because even if the mentee doesn't listen they know what they're not listening to right so my point is that you know tap into people who have experience uh, you may you may take their advice or not but this listening is important there yeah, right so find your mentor find the right co-founder and just have that mind and that have the check with yourself are you really really ready to be an entrepreneur final advice there is put some sort of time frame on it right mm-hmm. uh i think sometimes entrepreneurs go not sometimes actually i think i think a lot of times a lot of entrepreneurs find themselves in this middle area where the company is doing okay yeah it's not bad but it's not awesome right and and you're spending probably some of the best years of your life building it right how long do you want to do it for what's the right time to say you know what i tried it it worked okay but this is not where this is not my vision anymore right like you need to have some sort of check in timelines 3 years 5 years whatever works for you but i think that's important and some and, and entrepreneurs for the love of entrepreneurship and for sometimes for the love of their companies i think tend to not focus on that uh, timeline uh, so that would be my advice overall no that's perfect uh, i guess dan any other questions uh, from your end Yeah I think you know we really learned a lot from you Sean it was you know really grateful to have you here and yeah I, I hope uh, some people take your advice and you know, at least look into this and see how uh, they can implement the knowledge and and make it useful Cool awesome. thanks Sean always always inspiring uh because of you I made the move thanks buddy